0: God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Welcome to the Lord's house. We're we're certainly glad you made a decision to come today and be with us. I am uh, doing a a series of sermons entitled, You Can Make a Difference. And it's all based on the premise that you can make a difference in the world in which you live. Uh, Whether it's uh, your home, your family, your school, the place you work, or even this church, your life can make a difference. It all begins, we learned two weeks ago, with commitment. Uh, I began making a difference in this world when I commit my life to Jesus Christ and get sold out for God and become a passionate follower of Jesus. And then last week we learned that you can only make a difference if you are a person of integrity. And integrity means that I always speak the truth. Even when it's inconvenient... Truth is going to come out of my mouth, right? I am a person of integrity when I stand for what is right. You know, Sometimes it's not enough just to speak the truth. You've got to stand for the truth. And a person of integrity is a person who lives a clean, pure, holy life. And if I am that person of integrity, you know what? I am going to be impacting my world. I am going to be making a difference. Today we're in sermon number three, and it's all about passion. We are to live life with passion. Heavenly Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to to speak to our hearts. And as we open your precious word, I pray that you would challenge us. Uh, Dear God, may, may the word of God come alive to our hearts today. Help us to be people who are passionate about following you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, the the motivation behind all great art, all great music, all great literature, the driving force behind all great drama is passion. Passion makes things great. Passion is what mobilizes armies to sacrifice themselves in battle. Passion is what enables and drives scientists for new cures for dreaded disease. It is passion that equips athletes to push themselves beyond the breaking point to win games against Alma. <laughs> All right, I'll get to that later. And to set records in the Olympics. Passion is what sustains you in reaching your goals as you go through life. Nothing great is done without passion. Passion turns the impossible into the possible. It energizes life. It's what makes you alive. I'd have to say without passion, your life is pretty dull, drab, and boring. And looking at some of you this morning, that's exactly where you're at, all right? So let's let's get passionate together. Here's the deal. God wants you to be passionate about Him. God wants you to love Him passionately. He wants you to sense the passion that He put inside of you. One day about 2,000 years ago, a a young man came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what is the single most important commandment out of the whole Bible? I mean, Lord, if I can only get one thing right, what is the most important thing I need to be doing? And Jesus said, okay, I'm going to summarize the whole Bible for you. I'm going to give you the cliff notes of the Bible. And here it is. Jesus said, I can do it in two sentences. Mark chapter 12, verse 30. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Boy, can you just hear and sense and feel the passion of Jesus Christ? Jesus says there are really only two things that matter in life. When you push everything else to the side, these are the two most important things. You love God and you love people. You love God and love people. But he said you don't love God and love people in a half-hearted way. No, you are to do it passionately. Church, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. I'm here to tell you this is not for wimps. (laughs) Jesus is saying if you want to follow me, you've got to do it with passion. Because it deserves everything you got. I love that phrase, with all your heart. In fact, I did a search throughout the Bible to see how many times that phrase is used in the Bible to do something with all of your heart. And I found several ways. In fact, let me just throw some of these verses on the screen. Number one, the Bible tells us to seek God passionately. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29. Seek the Lord your God, and you will find him. If you seek Him with all of your heart and all of your soul, you become passionate about pursuing God. You're doing it with all your heart and with all your soul. Number two, the Bible tells us to love God passionately. Deuteronomy 6.5 You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Number three, the Bible says to serve God passionately again Deuteronomy 10 12 and now Israel what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God to walk in all of his ways and to love him to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul I mean your your sleeves are rolled up and you you're just ready to get in there and serve any old way you can the Bible tells us to obey God passionately chapter 30 verse 2 of Deuteronomy And you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice. According to all that I command you today, you and your children, with all of your heart and with all of your soul, obey God. Then the Bible tells us to trust God passionately. Proverbs 3:5, trust the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding and then as if he left something out in colossians 3:23 god says whatever you do <laughs> you get that whatever's everything man whatever you do do it with all of your heart as unto the lord and not unto men he says, no matter what you do, do it passionately. Do it with all your heart. Never do anything half-hearted. I mean, if you're going to do it, and it's worth doing, do it with all of your heart. You're not going to do it half-hearted? Just, I mean, if, if that's all you got in it, just do it half-hearted. Don't do it at all, he says. Whatever you do, do it with all your heart. Now, I know I'm boring you, so I want to do a little time out and kind of get something off my chest here. You know, in, in America, we are often passionate about everything except God. Huh? Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? We are passionate about everything, but God, I mean, we are passionate about sports. Aren't we? I mean, you should have been in our house yesterday afternoon, you know? I mean, they, they find you know? Uh, Mr. Mr. Throwing the Towel Lose Everything came through. I mean he was clutch right at the end of the game, man. Well, everybody in my house we, we were standing on our feet jumping up and down. We couldn't do oh oh Morgan came through and then Brandon Allen, man, he drove it in for the extra two. Wes I said, he's going for two. He's he's been watching Coach Jones. He's going for two, man. And he did. And we won. And woohoo, man. Were you excited? I know you Oklahoma fans weren't, but were you, were you Arkansas fans excited about that? I mean, you're, you're passionate about your team. Woo! Man. I heard a boomer say, they did pretty good too. All right, anyway, we're going on. Hey, you know what? We're passionate about the movies we watch. Some of you are passionate about that, that series of TV shows you're addicted to. I mean, you First service laughed at that. Y'all don't laugh because you're convicted, all right? You know what? I know we're passionate about the fashions, the clothes that we wear. We are passionate about certain kinds of cars or motorcycles. Some of us are passionate about restaurants. Again, some more than others. I understand that. I was on Amazon this past week, and I looked for books that had... A passion for in the title. Just just to see how many books were written with the title of passion for. I couldn't believe it. There were hundreds of them. Uh, Actual books that you can order. For example, there's a book, A Passion for Birds. A Passion for Books. A Passion for Cactus. (laughs) A Passion for Chocolate. A Passion for Fashion. A a Passion for Fish, for Flying, for Gardening, for Golf, for Hunting, for Jazz. Uh, Even a Passion for... Mushrooms, I, I, I don't know. A passion for needlepoint, for pasta, for ponies, a passion for potatoes, roses, even a passion for shoes. I mean, you name it, and we can get passionate about it. Huh? The, the amazing thing in our culture, it is, it is okay, even appropriate, if you are passionate about anything. And it seems like to me, the weirder the better. I mean, it's just it's okay here. in We can be a passionate about anything, as long as it's not God. I shared this with you a few weeks ago in our study of the Book of Acts, but I was reminded Friday night. You know, I can go to any sporting event, I can go to any football game, and uh, and just yell and scream my head off, and I did. Jim, I did Friday night. You were were there. I saw you screaming and yelling too. I mean, you know, we can do that. We can go to any sporting event and yell and scream our head off. We can jump up and down. I can raise my hands in the air. I can turn around and high five people I don't even know. (laughs) If my team loses, I can cry. Thank goodness we haven't this year. When we win, I can dance around and people will look at me and say, He is such a devoted fan. He is passionate about his team. You know what? If I come to church and I do any of that stuff or I go in the public and and I do any of that stuff in regard to God, you know what they say about me? That guy is a fanatic. Stay away from him. I mean, it's like it's appropriate to get excited and be enthusiastic and have a passion for anything in life as long as it's not God. But church, let me let you in on a little secret. That didn't come from Jesus. In fact, Jesus said the exact opposite. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you've got to do it with passion. You've got to do it with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I love Romans 12, verse 11. It says, Never be lacking in zeal. That loses half of us right there. But Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor as you serve the Lord. Keep your spiritual fervor. That means it's not automatic to keep your fervor. You don't stay on fire for God automatically. It's something that has to be maintained. You must stroke those fires. You've got to fan the flame to maintain spiritual passion for God. After being a Christian a long time, I've, I've discovered our natural tendency is to stagnate. Okay, I'm just being real with you. That's our default setting, to lose our passion. And let me tell you this, church, the devil is in the business of pouring cold water on our spiritual fire he's all about that man he's all about cooling us off from our burning fire for god he does that through many different ways in fact this week i, I made a long list of the different ways satan can pour water cold water on your spiritual fire uh, there was probably 10 12 14 27 98 things i don't remember how many there are, but i'm only going to give you one you say Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Only one point. Here the number one way I believe the devil puts fire or water on our fire is through unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin. There are few things that rob our joy more quickly, there are few things that rob our passion faster than an unconfessed sin and the guilt that comes from that. And what many of us try to do is is rationalize it subconsciously. We don't think about it consciously. We push it down into our subconscious like it, it didn't even happen. But you know what? It did happen. And you can't get rid of it like that. Psalm 38 verse 4, David said, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden that is too heavy to bear. Have you ever felt that way? I mean, you've messed up, you've sinned, you've got this overwhelming guilt in your life and it, it's like a heavy weight that is on your shoulders. In verse 6, David said, I am bowed down and I am brought low. Well, friend, let me tell you, you can't feel enthusiasm for God and guilt at the same time. doesn't work. You're trying to be enthusiastic about life, but there's this guilt there that is crashing your joy. So, how can I solve the problem of guilt? Well, it's really not that difficult because the Bible gives us the answer. It gives us the the antidote for sin, unconfessed sin in our life, and the guilt that robs us of our passion. It's found in 1 John 1.9. One of my favorite verses, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. I use this verse for myself all the time and I share it with people that I come in contact with. So you read it out loud with me. Here's what we are to do. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. So how do we deal with With unconfessed sin, how do we deal with the garbage and the guilt that is robbing us of our joy and our passion? We just confess it. Lord, I confess it. I bring it before you. I did it. I'm guilty of it. I give it to you. I pray that you forgive me. And God is faithful to do that. If we do the confessing, God is going to do the forgiving. Now, church, we want to keep short accounts with God. Instead of letting an unconfessed sin go for a month or a week or even a few hours, as soon as I know there's something wrong, I immediately need to go to God with it, confess it, and get back to living passionately. What is the greatest sin a Christian can commit? And like me, you might say, well, preacher, God, God you know, He doesn't categorize sin. Sin is sin. I know that, all right? Sin is sin. There's no sin that's worse than another sin. But just to entertain me for a second, I want you to think about it. What is the worst sin a Christian can commit? I mean, what, what is the worst sin that you as a believer in Jesus could commit? Some of you say, well, it, it's got to be the big A. It's got to be adultery. That's got, no. Some of you say, well, surely it's gossip. You, you preach against that all the time. Surely that's got to be the biggest sin for a believer to talk about other believers behind their back. And even though that's a big sin, that's that's not it. You might say, okay, maybe it's pornography or getting stoned or or going out and getting drunk and and ruining your testimony for the Lord. That's bad, but that's not it. I think Jesus tells us what the worst sin a Christian can commit is in Revelation chapter 3. He's talking to the church of the Laodiceans. And this is what he says in verse 15. He says, I know your works. And he's talking to the church. I know the works that you do, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then because you are only lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. I think in this verse Jesus tells us the, the greatest sin Christians can commit and it is the sin of just simply being lukewarm. Jesus said, you know what, I would rather you be on fire or absolutely cold. Jesus said, lukewarmness makes me sick to my stomach. Literally, the Greek says, it makes me want to vomit. That's how serious God is about this. He, he says, "I, you know what, your lukewarmness just makes me want to throw up. Some polite translations say I will spew you out of my mouth. <laughs> but the real word is vomit. Jesus said lukewarmness makes me sick to my stomach. I would rather have you hot or cold. But because you're lukewarm, I, you know, you make me sick to my stomach. That's got to be the worst sin right there. Just being lukewarm. C.S. Lewis once said, The only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. Let me put it like this. If Jesus really is who He says He is, if He really did save you from all of your sins, if He really did what He said He was going to do, and if God's Word is absolute truth, it deserves everything I've got. The only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. The casual Christian is a contradiction of terms. Guys, I mean, you're either passionate about loving God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, or you're not. Now, I'm in this series about having, making a difference in your world and, and how you can do that. And it Really, when you step back and look at, at all the people who have made the greatest impact, They were people who were passionate. They were not necessarily the smartest people or the wealthiest people or the best educated people or the most beautiful people. But I'm here to tell you, they were passionate people. Passionate people are world changers. And so, my friend, if you're going to make a difference in your world, in your family, in this community and in our church, you are going to have to become a person who is passionate About loving and following the Lord Jesus Christ. Now here's the amazing thing. All new Christians start out with a passion for God. I mean, think about that. All new believers. There's a natural passion in a new believer. When you first learn the great truths of God's good news, it makes you passionate. Does it not? I mean, think back. Think back when you, when you learned first of all, that every sin I've ever committed has been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. And God has wiped my slate clean. He's not going to hold any of those sins against me any longer. Woo! Man! That's awesome! And then secondly, I learned the truth. You know what? God's got a purpose for my life. I mean, there, there is a reason for me being here. God made me with significance. I'm, I'm not just a, another person. God made me for a reason. And when I discover that purpose that God made me for, it gives me passion. Man, I want to get up every day and go get it because God made it for me. Then number three, I realized and I learned from God's truth that you know what God said? He said, Will, I have created a mansion for you in heaven. Now, heaven is a perfect place. Only perfect people can get there. And my lens, you weren't perfect, son. But you accepted my son, Jesus Christ, as your personal Lord and Savior. And the day you were saved, I wrote your name in this book. It's called The Lamb's Book of Life. And because your name is in that book, when you die, you get to go to heaven and spend eternity with me. (laughs) Woo! Come on, man. Come on. That's some good news, man. Isn't, I think that's, that's just awesome. And you get passionate when you learn these things. And you know what? As a new believer, you're so on fire, you want to tell everybody. Yeah. It's the greatest news you've ever heard. But then as time goes by, we start taking all of these benefits for granted. My sins are forgiven. God's got a purpose for my life. I get to go to heaven one day. You know, we, we start taking it for granted and we, we lose our passion. We have forgotten what a great deal we got in on. I mean, we didn't even earn it. it. It was a total gift by the grace of God. What a deal! What a God! And what grace. I mean, what grace. That, you know what, guys? That's where your passion comes from. It comes out of a heart of gratitude this is what God's done for me man so let me ask you this question has there ever been a time in your life when you were closer to God than you are right now Hey, just think about that don't answer it out loud think about that has there ever been a time in your life when you were closer to God than you are at this very moment if the answer is yes Why in the world did you let that happen? And and you know what? Here's the deal. You can't blame anybody else for that. You are as close to God as you want to be. I'm as close to God as I want to be. And and if I'm not as close to God as I used to be, I can't blame anybody for that except myself. And if you feel far from God, guess who moved? (laughs) It wasn't God. So, what do you do? What do you do? If there's ever been a time when you were closer, you know what? You need to get back on track. So, do you want to be close to God? You can answer that one. Do you want to be close to God? Do do you want to have your, your heart warmed by His Holy Spirit? Do you want to get the spiritual passion flowing in your life again? Do you want to be fully alive so that when you wake up every morning, you say, thank you, God, for this day. I can't wait to live it with you. Well, if you want that, I'm not going to leave you hanging, man. I've got the answer. I know how we can have that passion in our life again. It's found in Revelation chapter 2. Jesus, this time, is speaking to the church of Ephesus. And this is what he says, Revelation 2, 4 and 5. He says, you have forsaken your first love. And again, understand, he's talking to the church, to Christians. He said, you have left your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. So, first of all, he tells us the problem. The problem is... We have forsaken our first love. I mean, that's the problem. It was Jesus. Jesus is the first love. And we've lost that first love. You have put something else in the place of God in your life. You have forsaken your first love, which is God. But then he gives us the three antidotes for getting this passion back in our heart. It, It begins with remembering. Number one, remember. Remember the height from which you have Fallen. In other words, recall the first fresh days of a new believer when everything was new and exciting and you were grateful for the things that that God has done in your life. Remember that. Recall it to your remembrance. Remember when you first fell in love with Jesus. Remember how awesome that was? Okay, for some of you it's hard to remember that, but remember. Remember the way it was when you first fell in love. You got it? Next thing you need to do is repent. You need to repent because you're no longer there. You've, you've lost your first love. The word repent means to, to change your mind, to change your thinking. And so we change our thinking, we repent, we say, God, you are God and I'm not. And you've told me that the number one thing I need to be doing is loving you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I haven't been doing that, God, so I repent. I'm going to change the way I've been thinking. I'm going to think more about you, I'm going to love you, and I'm going to love other people. You change your mind. And then number three, you return. He said, and go back and do the things you did at first. You, You go back to the way it... It once was when you first fell in love. Okay, you got that? You go back, you go back and have those same feelings for Jesus that you had when you first fell in love with Him. I preached this sermon a little over an hour ago at the first service, and I, Wes, I just had a thought when I was preaching it, and and I, sp- I vomited it out, you know. But it it made me, it reminded me of, of years ago when I first fell in love with Angie, and, and uh, we were at Hillsdale, and and uh, man, it was just it was just it was a goofy, gooey. <laughs> Russ, it was a goofy, gooey kind. Of, you remember? You remember when you first fell in love with Cheryl? You just you were just goofy in love, weren't you, man? We'd go to this little park right up there by the by the bank, not too far from Hillsdale, and sit on the monkey bars, and I'd just look at her. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> You're awesome. I'd sit in Greek class, and I'd just write her love letters, man. That's you know, just I want to talk to her all the time, want to be with her all the time. I was just I was goofy. I was goofy in love, man. And everybody else could see I was goofy in love. But you know what? I didn't care what anybody else thought. I was in love, baby. I was in love. I'm not talking to the ladies now. I'm just talking to the guys. Guys, what happens? I mean, What, what, what happens? You, you know, you were goofy in love and you did all that crazy stuff. Wrote, wrote them notes. Told them you loved them all the time. Buy flowers for them. What, what in the world happens to us? Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm trying to figure that out, you know. I mean, what, what happens to us? We take it for granted. You ladies do too. You take it for granted. You, instead of continuing to grow together, you start growing apart. And one day, 30 years later, you wake up and look across the bed and think, Who in the world is that person, you know? And right here the Lord is telling us, here's, here's the antidote to stay in love. You remember the way it was when you first fell in love with me. You repent. That is, you change your thinking and then you return to the way it used to be. You start nourishing your spirit again. You start spending time doing the things that helped you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ at the beginning. You make time to nourish your spirit because guess what? Nobody else is going to do that for you. And if you don't nourish your spirit, your spirit is going to shrivel up. Your heart is going to shrink and you're going to grow cold. Guys, this is not rocket science. The antidote to spiritual decline and decay is to have a passion for God. To love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind with all of your strength. Hey, would you bow your head? And would you pray this prayer to God with me? Father, I want to love you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, and with all my strength. God, give me a passion for you again. Lord, I want to get up in the morning looking forward to the day ahead. I want to love you passionately, and I want to love other people passionately. Lord, I ask you to restore to me the joy of my salvation. Lord, help me to remember all that you've done for me. Thank you for saving me of my sins. In your name I pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd be with my friends who are here today. There's someone in this room who... Has never accepted Christ as their personal Savior. And I pray that today they would come and receive the gift of eternal.